Father, we thank you that you loved us so much that you sent Jesus for us to die for us so that we could be connected with you for eternity, but that we could also live for you now. Father, I pray that you bless this time. I pray that your spirit would guide us and give us clarity and understanding. And I ask that you would use this time in every way for your honor and glory. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Please be seated. <clears throat> so I woke up yesterday and James Earl Jones jumped down my throat and a new voice has come out. Um, so I'll be se- seated today um, in hopes that uh, <clears throat> I can make it through this. But we're going to continue our journey on how would Jesus live my life. And we're talking about prayer today because uh, that's the next section on the Sermon on the Mount. And And Jesus gave some very clear directions about prayer. And so I I don't know about you and your journey, your prayer journey, but prayer has been a journey for me. Um, Back in college, um, I was very vocal about my faith, um, annoyingly vocal about my faith, and uh, my prayer life was very minimal. Um, I remember going to a a retreat with college students and we were going to pray overnight. We were going to take turns praying through the night for the semester. And I had a partner, and we were supposed to pray for 30 minutes. And it was like, I don't know, midnight to 1230 or something like that. <clears throat> and so my partner went first and prayed for three minutes of the 30. And when they were done, I was like, I've never prayed for 27 minutes straight in my whole life. So I was thanking God for flowers for trees, for clouds, for my mom's pumpkin pie, um, anything I could think of for 27 minutes, I was, thank you, and uh, I was trying to uh, just get it done. And, and I think for a lot of us, prayer is one of those things that we feel like we have to do. And we feel like we're supposed to do this, and we check it off the list, and, and um, it's something that we feel good about accomplishing. But we forget the reality, and we, we have to learn over time that the reality is, is that prayer is about relationship. It's about hanging out with one of your best friends or your best friend. You know, have you ever had a, a, a friend or, or maybe your spouse, and, and you start talking late at night, and before you realize it, it's morning? And that's the kind of friendship God wants to have with us. And so Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, uh, he teaches us all about prayer and gives us a model. And so we'll, we're going to talk about that today. So if you turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. Starting with verse 5, page 970 in the Pew Bible, Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. Jesus said this, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for, uh, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them. 
Your father knows what you need before you ask him. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Okay, so Jesus talks about prayer and, and uh, says some very significant things and some very difficult things. And we're going to, to uh, focus on, on the, the forgiveness thing here towards the end. And so Jesus talks about what he's already talked about in the Sermon on the Mount multiple times, about how our faith is not for show. We don't, we don't have our faith so that people will be impressed with us. And so what was going on is the, the religious leaders were having these beautiful, gorgeous prayers that everybody was like, wow, prayers are so awesome. And so people would walk away, and, and the religious leaders would walk away feeling so good because everybody would be impressed with with, uh, with, with how they pray. So I have a couple of slides I want to show you, and, and I think I have them out of order, but I have a slide from D.L. Moody here, a quote from D.L. Moody. Can I get that up? Please, please. Do I have a D.L. Moody slide? All right, D.L. Moody. Um, a man who prays much in private will make short prayers in public. And, and I think uh, that, that's D.L. Moody was a, an evangelist in the 1800s in, in, in the United States, and a very powerful phrase, because a lot of times, I don't know if you've ever been around somebody who didn't have a prayer time, and they have it in front of you, uh, and it goes on and on and on, and the babbling that he talks about goes on and on and on. And so I think D.L. Moody says, you know, our, our public prayers need to be an outflow of our relationship with Christ in those prayer times. And, and so the, the religious leaders got it backwards. They were saving up all of their greatest prayers for when people were listening. And, and I think we have to be careful to not let prayer become a competition. And, I, and when, when groups pray together, I think that's one of the hardest things is that um, sometimes it's like, well, who's going to get the most uh-huhs or yes or ah, uh, yeah, you know, during the prayer time. So, um, and, and so we have to be very careful. And so what, what I want us to see in this first part is, is the public recognition is not what we're after, and we know that. But I think it's very essential for us to understand that prayer is about your relationship with God. And that's where it begins. And absolutely nobody can do that for you. I want to say that again. Prayer scares people, and sometimes it is scary to the point that we expect other people to pray for us so we don't have to do it. There's a problem there. Right, And you're really missing out on one of the greatest blessings that we have, and that's a relationship with God. We have the creator of the universe saying to us, you know what? I want to spend time with you. I want to hang out with you. So come to me in the privacy of your own place, in the privacy of your heart. And uh, prayer is not something we have to be afraid of. I have another quote here from Mother, Mother Teresa, and she said this. Make sure it's up. All right, um, mental prayer is nothing else, in my opinion, but being on terms of friendship with God, frequently conversing in secret with him who we know loves us. You know, and, and so and what I want us to see is through this whole journey of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus has made it very clear, you can't live this kind of life that I'm calling you to without my help. 
And you don't live a life like Mother Teresa lived without a very active prayer life. It's not possible. And so uh, Jesus is pointing out, you have this opportunity to hang out with the Father and have a relationship with him, and it's so vitally important that you do. But one of the problems is, is we don't make time for it, but we let other people do it for us. We think, you know, if I just hang out with a prayer warrior, then they can take care of the praying for me and I don't have to worry about it. All right, so I want you to process it with me this way. What if I said, you know what, I I need to work out some more and I need to get in better shape. So I'm going to ask one of you to go to the gym for me and lift weights several times a week and do cardio for me four or five times a week so that I can get in shape. Now, there may be some people that would say, you know what, I'd do that for you. But the problem is it doesn't work. And the same way, if you asked me to work out for you, I probably wouldn't do it. But if you did and I decided to, it wouldn't help you in the least. And and I think we have to understand in our spiritual journey that we can't trust other people's prayer lives to be enough prayer for us. We have this invitation from Almighty God to go into our private places and hang out with Him. And the crazy thing is, is sometimes we just say, we're just, I just don't have the time. But you know what? The busier we are, the more time we need to spend in prayer. Because Jesus is making it clear, there is this dependence and this relationship on, on God that, that you have to have. Right? So don't hear me say what I'm not saying. I, I'm not putting a time limit on prayer. Relationships don't work that way, right? And so if you're beginning this prayer journey, just start with five minutes. Start with ten. You know, again, don't make it about the time. Make it about relationship. Make it about hanging out with the king. And here's what I'm going to tell you. The more you hang out with Jesus, the more more time you spend in prayer, the more you're going to find that you find yourself praying way longer than you ever thought you would. And, and so going back to my college experience, to pray for 27 minutes, man, that's hard to do now. You know, keep it less than 45. And, and I'm not bragging. I'm not saying this is where you should be. I'm just saying in a relationship, that's the way it grows. You know? And so, um, again, don't make it about the stopwatch, but make it about your relationship with him. And, uh, and we all have that privilege and that opportunity, and we need to take advantage of it. So... Jesus then, encouraging us to pray and encouraging us to pursue that relationship with the Father, he models for us how we should pray. And so he gives us what we call the Lord's Prayer. And so a lot of, a lot of denominations, a lot of churches will say the Lord's Prayer verbatim as he said it, and I think that's great. But I think more than that, Jesus was giving us an outline. He said, you know, when you, when you hang out with God, It's not about saying a whole lot of words, as he called babbling, but here's an outline for you. Here's a way that you can pray, you can hang out with God, you can cover all the things that you need to cover, and you can build relationship with him. So I want to take just a few minutes and talk about my prayer life, Um, and, and I'm not encouraging you to model your prayer life after mine, but I want you to know that I use the Lord's Prayer as the hooks on which I hang my prayers. And, and so it really helps uh, to keep my thoughts organized. Uh, my little mind goes so many different places, that, but when I have this outline, it helps me to stay on track. And if you're a person where your mind tends to wander, 
uh, it's a great thing to come back to because it's so easy to memorize the Lord's Prayer, and so many of us already know it, and so uh, it, is, it is a place to begin. So, so Jesus begins, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. And, and there's, a, there's a lot of ways to hang out there. Uh, you think about God being in heaven, you think about the word Father, which really translated means Daddy. It's like, wow, God wants to have that kind of relationship with me. And here he is with the most revered name, the most holy name, the most set-aside name of any name in all of history. And he wants to function as my dad. What a great honor. And so Jesus says, begin with realizing how blessed you are to have the relationship you have. And then he says, your kingdom come. Excuse me. Your kingdom come has two aspects to it. And the idea is, is that that the kingdom itself, that Jesus' kingdom would advance in this world. And there's two aspects in that for me. The first is, is that I would represent the kingdom well. That my words, my thoughts, and my actions would be kingdom worthy. That wherever I go, whoever I interact with, whatever I do, that my words would be encouraging and uplifting and draw people to the kingdom. That my thoughts would be kingdom thoughts, my actions, kingdom actions, and that people would be drawn to Jesus and his kingdom because of who I am today. But the second part of the kingdom is, is, is that Jesus' kingdom would advance throughout the world. That people that don't know him would come to know him. That bodies that are broken would be healed. That relationships that are broken would be healed. That churches that are hurting would be healed. That God would use people, use his, his followers to feed the hungry, to care for the widow and the orphan. That God's kingdom would advance so much on earth that people would stop and say, wow, there's something cool going on here. What is it? And they would realize that it's the kingdom of Jesus Christ advancing in this world. And so <clears throat> your kingdom come is this idea that the kingdom would advance on earth. The next part is really a hard part because he says your will be done. Now, when you read the scripture and you study it, it is very clear that everything in our lives good or bad, is at the very least allowed by God, if not caused by God. Now process that. Your will be done. That God is bringing all of history together under his umbrella and his reign, and he is taking history to his point of conclusion. And so everything that happens in our life, good or bad, is at the very least allowed by him. And so when I say your will be done, I say that realizing that he's got it figured out and I can trust his plan. And that I would trust whatever he's up to, even if it doesn't make any sense to me. That I would trust his will be done, that I would respond to life, whatever life brings me with love, joy, and peace. And acknowledging the fact that I can't do that without his help. Right? That will be done. Give us this day our daily bread. It's time of Thanksgiving. I don't know about you, but I've never, it's been a long time. It's been decades since I wondered where my next meal was going to come from. And so it's not a matter of, I need, I need you to provide today because you've already done that. So it's more of a Thanksgiving time for me. Um, and, and so it is a time when I'm thankful for, for provision, for food. I'm thankful for people, uh, particularly my family. Um, and, and then I spend time thanking God for you and for this, this group of people, this community of faith. 
And I pray for everyone involved and, and pray that um, we would be who God wants us to be. And then <clears throat> after Thanksgiving, and that usually takes a little while uh, to hang out there, I move right into um, give us this day our daily bread, forgive us our debts. And the thing that I am most thankful for every day is Jesus. And this forgive us our debts thing is, is just, it's, it's a time before God when I openly confess what a moron I am. You know, uh, the stupid choices that I make, the, the decisions that I make that are contrary to his will, that are anti his kingdom, and, and it's, it's usually the same stuff over and over again. Don't know about you, but I come confessing, oh, just like yesterday, Lord, here I am again, this same thing that's a struggle for me. Um, I, I bring it back to you and confess once again. And I'm so grateful for Jesus that I can live forgiven and guilt-free. What a great pleasure. What a great, what, what a great joy that is. All right. We get a cough drop. <clears throat> All right. So give us the daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive those, as we forgive our debtors or trespassers, those who sin against us. And it starts to get really hard. You know, because we like to accept the forgiveness of God, but to extend forgiveness is a whole other thing. All right, and we're going to talk more in detail about that in a, in a few verses, but understand that if I'm not willing to forgive others, forgiveness isn't coming to me. That's a big statement, but Jesus made it, so I have to decide if he really meant it or not. And if he meant it, I need to work on it. All right. Then he says, uh, and lead us not into temptation. And I think it's better translated uh, because James wrote and told us that, that God is not tempted, nor does he tempt anyone. I think it's better translated, do not lead us into trials. And it's really a prayer of protection. It's asking God to protect us, knowing that his will is going to be done, and he may decide to allow something in our lives. But it's a prayer of protection for you and your family. And I think that's perfectly legitimate to pray that prayer so but then he says but deliver us from the evil one and i think there is this we, we must always remember that the journey we are on is a war it's a spiritual war and i very specifically pray it this way i pray lord i, I know that there's a spiritual war going on and i know there are things that i need to know about this war today Please don't tell me more than I need to know, because I don't want to know, because it'll probably terrify me. Tell me what I need to know, and give me what I need to find victory. And please protect me, and protect those with me, because uh, I can't win this war without you. And, and I think there is this reality that we, we must understand, that it is a war that is going on, that is real, and we can't find victory outside of him. And then, I use the, the old version uh, that includes the line that's not there. Uh, Deliver us from evil, for yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. And for me, that's a time of thanksgiving for the hope of heaven. And it's a time of prayer for those that are in my life who don't know Jesus yet. And I pray that they would be open and receive and, and find the gift that I've been given. And then, <clears throat> after all of that, then there are things that people that I pray for. And uh, from the prayer list that we have, from things in my, in my family, my extended family, um, and, and that's prayer. 
You know, and every day I hang out with God that way, or most every day I hang out with God that way. And here's what I discovered. It can easily become something I check off the list if I let it. But I realize that when I don't do it, I'm a mess. I'm a disaster waiting to happen that day. I'm not going to represent the kingdom well because I can't do it on my own. And so Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, he's, he's telling everyone, listen, God is available to you. He is approachable. You can go to his throne, and here's the best way to interact with him. Here's an outline for you. It so beautifully taught us how to pray. The greatest prayer ever written, ever spoken by the greatest person to ever live. What a great model for us to follow. Then Jesus makes it really, really, really hard. You look at the last two verses. He says, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. I don't like those verses. I really don't like them. But Jesus is pointing out something that he says in Matthew 18 in a much more profound way. You don't deserve to be forgiven. So how dare you not forgive? See, in Matthew 18, he tells the story of the ungrateful servant. This man who, and I'll just use American numbers, owed owed $100,000 And he came, and and the man that he owed the money to said, all right, I'm going to throw you in prison. I'm going to sell you and your family and get whatever I can back. He fell on his face and begged, please forgive me. Please don't do this. And the man that was owed the money canceled the debt. Well, that man that had his debt canceled, he went out of the room, and he saw someone that owed him $100. He grabbed him by the neck and said, where's my money? So I don't have it. Please just give me time. He begged for mercy, and he refused to give him mercy, had him thrown in prison until he could pay the whole thing. The original one that was owed the large amount brought him back in and said, what are you doing? I just forgave this huge debt of yours. How can you not forgive other people? And see, and that's, that's the point of what Jesus is making in our relationship with God. And I know some people will read this passage and read these verses and say, but, but you don't understand what this person did to me. You don't understand how hurtful it was. You don't understand how hard it is. I would say, you're right, I don't. But what you have to understand is how much you've been forgiven and how you did not deserve it. And Jesus says, listen, When you go through this journey called life and you refuse to forgive, forgiveness is not going to be available to you. It's not because God needs to hold a grudge. It's not because God is life's falling apart and he wants to to hold on to some vengeance towards you. It's so that you'll remember and that I'll remember how blessed we are to be forgiven. We don't deserve it. We don't deserve this forgiveness from God. He's perfect. He's never failed. He's never made a mistake. And yet, in our imperfection, he said, I want to forgive you. Now, you go forgive. You go forgive. 
Do they deserve it? No, they don't. You didn't either. Is it easy to do? Nope, but I did it for you. Forgive. And so as we've been going through this journey, I've been using the VIM to help us um, maybe get some direction on what we're going to do and how we're going to overcome this. (laughs) And so I want to focus on the forgiveness thing because my guess is in all of this, this is the hardest part, is learning to forgive uh, those that have hurt us. And so the vision... The vision is to have an idea or a picture that there's nobody in my life that I'm holding a grudge against. That there's nobody in my life that I'm carrying around the burden of an unwillingness to forgive. And the vision is that eventually I come to the point in my journey of faith that when someone hurts me, I get to forgiveness a lot faster than I do now. Because I think for most of us, that's the problem. Because we just don't want to let go. But the vision is to be a follower of Jesus where forgiveness is a very real part of my journey every single day. The I and the intention is always the same, is to really have a desire to get there. And I think in this one, this is a hard one, because I have to really want to be a person who forgives. I have to really want to cross that line where I'm not going to carry the burden of this. I have to want to get across the line where I, I really have a desire to be a person who forgives. And the means, and this is the one that I struggled with for so long, and, and please don't hear me say that I've mastered it, but throughout my journey of faith, every person that has ever betrayed me or hurt me has been a follower of Jesus, at least in what they say. And the hurt and the cut has been so deep and so, so devastating that there, has been, there have been people throughout the journey that I wanted to hold on. I wanted to hold on to the anger that I had. Because for some reason I convinced myself it makes me feel better. And doggone it, those dirty dogs, they deserve for me to hate them. And so when I have that situation, my experience has taught me that I have to begin. The means is, is, a, is a complete trust in who God is and how he can transform me. And many times I have to start the prayer this way. I have to say, Lord, please give me a desire to forgive this person. Because I don't have that desire right now. I don't want to forgive them. And so, Lord, change my heart. Change me inwardly. Make me new. Give me a desire to forgive them. And help me, Lord, to know that I have no right to condemn them. Only you do. And sometimes that's where it starts. Now, I've seen in my journey that I'll pray that prayer for seven days. And everything's good. I've seen sometimes it's been seven months, and it's still not good. I've seen that prayer, I've made that prayer for over a year, until finally I've been set free from it. And the problem in that is my stubbornness, right? But it's through prayer and through this submission and through this understanding that I can't get there unless God does it through me. You're having trouble forgiving realize that only God can do that through you. And here's a side note, and, and I'm, I'm not a, 
a psychologist by any stretch. But I have discovered in my journey the people that I hold on to anger um, about them, they don't care. They could care less. Or they don't even know. And so they own me until I forgive. It's really kind of silly, but that's what we do. So I think God is setting us free from ourselves when he says you have to forgive to be forgiven. So I'm going to encourage you today to pray. Take advantage of this incredible gift to hang out with the creator of the universe. What a great opportunity. If you don't know where to start, if you're new at the whole prayer gig, Jesus gave us a model. Start there. And if forgiveness is a struggle, ask for help. Because he's willing to give it. Let's pray. 